The one thing I'd say, Simon, the only person I know with less information about himself on a website is me. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to fill in the blanks, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't kind of put myself out there much. This, this is quite unusual. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I used to have more, I think I probably used to have more on my website and I, I kind of like, I've pared it down because when, when you read about oh, what should be on a portfolio website, it's all about the pictures, isn't it? You just show your pictures and I don't think there's even a picture of me on my website at the moment. It's, you know, most people have that. But yeah, I mean, also I suppose the more you put on, the more chance you've got of putting somebody off. You know, I, I want people to know my pictures rather than me. I don't think they're necessarily booking my personality or, you know. No, so but where, did, but where did you start? Uh, so I started, um, I, I did electronics at university in Cardiff. And during, during my university degree, I worked for the student newspaper. I wanted something to do, you know, the ex-curriculum thing. You're supposed to do something outside of your lecture. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do that. I had a camera already, a cheap Practica SLR, and I was quite quite into it. And because I, I was doing electronics and, and science-y engineering things, I was quite into the gear. So, you know, SLRs were all the interchangeable lenses and flashes and all the rest of it. Um, so I started doing stuff for the university newspaper. I really got into the photography side of it. We did. We had a dark room there, and we learned how to do black and white printing and processing your own film and all that kind of stuff. Um, by the time I got to the end of university, I kind of I wanted to do that rather than be an engineer. Um, so foolishly, I turned down a job straight out of university and thought, no, no, I'll be a, I'll be a freelance photographer. Um, I went to America for three months to teach kids at summer camp. Did that exchange thing that you do at the end of university. Um, and then when I got back, I sent a couple of pictures of some stuff to the, the Echo in Cardiff. And they called me and said, oh, you know, are you a freelancer? I said, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, right, we need freelancers. Come in and we'll, we'll try you out. And I did a week's work experience on the, on, the, on the Echo. And they were like, yeah, yeah, great. Um, we'll start giving you money now for jobs. So keep your phone on and, uh, and we'll phone you. And I it literally started from there. And I, I used to do like anything from one to six jobs a day, you know, just rushing around doing... You know, I think it's like I think I was getting paid twenty pounds a job, um, and then I so I was, I was doing the Echo for about, I don't know, it's probably seven or eight years, and then they said, oh, we're giving you loads of work. Do you want to do shifts instead, regular, five days a week? You can do the you can do the late shift, two p.m. to ten p.m. And I did that for a couple of years, and then the Western Mail, who were giving me occasional jobs, um, said, oh, well, we could use you as well. We'll share your shift between the two papers and you can work for both one will just you know share you between the two papers so they used to fight over me then decided who, who I was working for um, so I was all in all probably 15 years on the papers um, but I was never staff I was like I was freelance I was in and out I, I worked out of the office and went in the dark and processed my films there did the whole digital transition while I was at the newspapers I think 2001 mm-hmm. I spent four and a half grand on my four megapixel <laughs> Canon 1D um uh, and and started the digital thing then, um, and then would have been well, after after about fifteen years. Then that's when the the newspaper started to suffer, and yes. they didn't have the money. Yeah, and yeah. it was like we can't afford to pay you anymore. They weren't paying you much. You know, we we can't afford to pay you anymore. We'll keep you on odd jobs when we can afford it. Um, but the shifts will have to stop. And it's like right, okay. Um, during the time of working in newspapers, I'd started doing PR and corporate stuff because one of the things PR firms used to phone up, like if it was a London PR firm, the way they'd find a photographer was to phone up the picture desk of the local paper and say, do you know any photographers? Ah, right. So I used to get PR work as well. So I was concentrating on PR and corporate stuff, did a bit of that. And then probably, 
I'm terrible with dates. I can never really remember when I did stuff, but not long after that, I already done that for a couple of years. I was doing stuff um, for other photographers when they got double booked as well. And I had a call from one photographer. He said, oh, I, I do this um, this thing for comic relief sometimes. They phone me up and say, do you want to you know, take pictures for comic relief? There's no pay. There's one coming up and I don't want to do it. Um, it'll be some celebrity with a red nose on, you know, for their publicity stuff. I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. I think in portfolio, you know, mm-hmm. any celebrity is good for portfolio. Um, so it turned out they phoned me and it was uh, David Tennant uh, with a red nose on a white seamless studio lights type thing. So I took all the gear to where they were filming Doctor Who because he was Doctor Who at the time. Um, set it all up, shot that, that was fine. A couple of weeks later, they were like, oh, we're doing another thing for Comic Relief. Uh, we're still not going to pay you. Uh, Ronnie Corbett is filming a little five-minute special of the Sarah Jane Adventures, which is like a children's BBC yeah, yeah. spin-off of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want somebody to shoot the behind-the-scenes stuff on that um, and then do the same thing as we did with David Tennant, which is Ronnie Corbett with a red nose with studio lights and a black backdrop and all that kind of stuff. So I did that. Um, those both made it to the Radio Times front covers. They did... It was the 21st anniversary of uh, Comic Relief, I think, and they did 21 Radio Times covers with all various different celebrities. So I got two covers of that. But the important thing was I met somebody, the guy who was involved from the Doctor Who BBC side of organising that, then said, oh, well, we need a photographer for the Sarah Jane Ventures for the next series. Do you want to do that? I was like, well, I... Or, or, what it was, I think he recommended me to the, to the woman who was the picture publicist in London. And then she phoned me and said, oh yeah, do you want to do, do this uh, unit photography? I said, yeah, okay, but I haven't got a sound blimp. I knew I needed a sound blimp because you can't no, shoot indeed. the shutter noise during takes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have this big plastic box, basically, full of foam, and you put your camera inside that, and you, that's how you shoot during takes. Yeah. I didn't have one. So um, I said, yeah, I said, I haven't got a sound blimp. Is that a problem? She said, well, try and get one, but, you know, we'll start you off, just shoot rehearsal, <laughs> take, you know, in between... It was a quick phone call to America then, was it? Well, no, what it was is a quick look on eBay. Oh, right, and, okay. Uh, you found one somewhere on eBay? Yeah, I found one on eBay. They're never on eBay, and it no, just so happened that there was one on eBay that was for, fitted my camera, because they're specific to the cameras as of well. Of course, yeah. And I was using a, a Canon 1D Mark II or something. And di- on the lens as well, it's depending yeah, on, on the lenses. Yeah, on the lenses, yeah. You've got to get a lens tube for each different lens. Yeah, yeah. And they're really stupidly expensive as well, but they, mm. did, they only made them in America. It was like, it's a company called Jacobson, it made them That's in Hollywood. That's right, yeah. And they made them. That's the only place you can get them. Um, so I found one on eBay and I, 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 I bid on it and it was about, it was going to like, the auction was going to finish like two days before the first day I was supposed to shoot on this thing. Um, and I, I think I won the auction and then I had an email from the guy and he said, oh no, I sold it to some, I've, I've agreed to sell it to somebody else cause he's going to pay me cash and whatever. I said, well, I'll pay you cash. I'll drive to London and pay you cash and pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay then. So I did that. I drove all the way to Greenwich, picked it up. It was not in a particularly good condition. It was I like 400 quid for it or something like that and that was it so I had a blimp so the first day I had a blimp when I got when I got to set and did the Sarah Jane Adventures we did two series of that um, and then Sarah Jane Adventures stopped because Elizabeth Sladen died um, so they had to do something else and they did something called Wizards versus Aliens right which was kind of the replacement for that that was more of a Harry Potter meets sci-fi right. type thing. Can I, can I, can I jump back a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm, Sorry, I'm, I'm really interested in... Yeah, um, so basically, when you were working for the Echo, you were learning on the job, basically. 
Yeah, I had no, I had no, I didn't do any kind of degree or training or anything. Right, so okay. I, I, I did my three years working on the student newspaper. Yes. Um, which was good training, to be honest. And a couple of people have left and got jobs as photographers from that. Right, okay. it, was, it was a really good newspaper. They, they put a lot of effort in. We used to produce 36 to 48 pages a week. Yeah, my, my, my daughter, my sister, my daughter actually wrote for it. Um, Guy Reith. Uh, yeah, Guy Reith, that's yeah. it, yeah. Um, I have no idea what it's like now, She's a, but back then it was it yeah. was really good. It was it was always there in about in about the student media awards with Guardian. And right. Stuff, okay. Um, so that was my training really, and 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 um, yeah. Then once you start working on a newspaper, you learn really quickly yes. to do anything. You have to get the, the picture you, in the can. You always have to get a picture, yeah. and you never know what you're going to be doing next. And no. you do everything. You do sport, news, portraits, you know, landscapes sometimes. Um, you're usually taking pictures of people who don't want to have the picture taken for some reason or they're having a picture taken for a, a, you know there's there's not that many times when you go and it's like happy reason for having a picture taken usually <laughs> no. people are in the newspaper because they're annoyed about something or <laughs> so how know. did how did you how did you deal with those situations because uh, uh, young out of college um, uh, yes had experience uh, on a on a university newspaper um, but it's a steep learning curve, I would It imagine. is, yeah, yeah. But the other photographers are brilliant. I mean, this was the thing. Back then, because everything was shot on film, photographers would do their, their they had an eight-hour shift. They'd come back an hour or two before the end of the shift, and then the last hour or two of the shift would be process, putting the films through the processor, editing the strips and eggs on a light box, giving them to the lab tech to make prints, mm-hmm. captioning the prints. So you, when you went back at the end of your shift or when shifts crossed, you would see everybody else's work. It would be all being spewed out the back of the, the, the printer yeah. and all the prints would be there and you'd see stuff and you'd talk. And everyone would talk about the jobs and like, oh, I went on this job and this happened and I did this and let's look at this picture. And, and so, you, yeah, you learn re- and you just absorb all this information, you know, like what do you do when it's too dark and you, you can't use flash? What, you know, what, ha- you know, can you push this 1600 film to 3200 even though the processor doesn't do it you know yeah. all this kind of stuff how, how do you handle people as well you know and, and, yeah. and that's and how do you handle people so <laughs> <laughs> well again it varies totally i mean i've never really i think i'm quite common in that i'm quite shy and having a camera changes that and also having a big hole in the newspaper waiting for a picture changes that. You have to do something to get a photograph. Mm. Um, if it's not going well, you have to figure something out. And Because right. a lot of my shifts as well, because I, I was working, when I did shift work, and it was quite often 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. So the Echo would wrap their stuff up mid, mid-afternoon would be the latest you'd be doing anything for the Echo because it was an evening paper, but the Western Mail was a morning paper, so they would work right through to the 10 o'clock. Mm. And quite often they'd be designing the pages for the morning paper before I'd shot the jobs. Right. So if there was an award ceremony or a sporting event or something like that, they would, there would be a hole waiting, sometimes on page one. And, oh, you know, like for example, the Western Mail used to run like a, the Western Mail Business Awards. Yes. Which is a big thing for them because they sponsored it and there was a lot of money in it. And, you know, they, they made a big deal out of it. It was lots of pre-publicity for it and stuff. And, and on the night of the Business Awards then, they would do two editions. So they would do, so they'd send me along to shoot a picture for the first edition, which was shot before the awards had even happened. And I had to get a picture of the winner without them knowing they were the winner to fill that hole in the paper. (laughs) (laughs) 
for the first edition. Right. And then after the awards had been announced, get another picture, which was them smiling at the camera with their award, yes. for the second edition. And they would actually print the first edition and have it at the awards for people to see. Oh, God, right. Before they'd even left. So, and that's where you're kind of like, well, how am I supposed to get these pictures? So what you'd have to do is go and photograph all the nominees. Yes. Equally. And then use the one that was the winner, but you pretend that you were just photographing because they were nominees. Um, so yeah, there's all this stuff like, you know, you, you, you just, you've got to figure it out and, and find a way. Um, and sometimes people are not keen on having the pictures taken. You have to try and persuade them, which I don't like doing, you know. No. Um, do you, have, do you have any theories why people don't like to have their pictures taken? Well, I don't like having my pictures taken for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I'm a photographer. I mean, that's the best thing about being a photographer, so I very rarely have my photos taken. Um, if it's a family event or whatever, I, I put my hand up to take the pictures. Um, I don't know. I think you're putting yourself out there, aren't you? you, you yeah. You, you're surrendering control a bit to somebody else on what your yes. image is, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can totally understand why people don't like it. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And that's why when, when I do have to photograph people who are maybe not that keen or, or understandably don't want to do it, I try and make it quick and painless, you know, and, yeah. and working on newspapers, it makes you quick at doing stuff as well. You don't often get a lot of time, you know, 10 Indeed. minutes for a yeah. job. Is, Which is, that's a luxury, I would imagine, 10 yeah. minutes for a job sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's quite often you'd have, in an eight hour job, eight hour shift, you'd have six jobs, six yeah. or seven jobs, yes. and they'd all be in various bits of South Wales. Of so you've got to take into account all the travel time as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then the time to process and yeah. edit and print everything when you go back. Um, so how did the 15 years you spent working on newspapers, how did that... Um, uh, obviously, you became... Uh, you were practised at what you did, but the jump then from going to a fairly secure way of earning money... I wouldn't call it secure. <laughs> Well, I mean, fairly secure. Because you, yeah, you, you were turning up with the goods, so people were going to employ you if you were turning up with the goods. Yeah. Um, uh, so how did that then jump from um, re- fairly secure uh, living as a photographer to a more precarious one where uh, the jobs are less, there are less jobs going on? Uh, was it that um, uh, the red nose day free job which actually triggered everything for you? In a way, yeah. I mean, that, I wouldn't be doing Doctor Who now if I'd said no to doing that original free job. And I think that's one of the things I've... Because I'm not very good at being proactive about my career. I don't really have a five-year plan or a ten-year plan or anything like that. I'm no. not good at networking and finding clients. I tend to just kind of roll with it. And when things come to me, I take advantage of it. You know, I think it's really important to take advantage of opportunities mm. when they come and do a good job. If someone offers you to do something, you do a, the best job you can mm-hmm. and hopefully that turns into something else. Mm. And I know there are people who say, oh, you should never work for free. You know, it's like a standard thing to say to come, come, uh, upcoming photographers, like never work for free because yeah. you know, your pictures are worth something. But you can work for free if it benefits you. And if you know it's going to benefit you in some way, it doesn't matter what benefit is the client. If you think you can benefit from it, working free is okay, I think. Yeah. And that was the thing with the David Tennant picture. I wasn't getting paid for it. That picture was worth money to, to public relief, otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. But yeah. it was worth it for me because it was another thing for my portfolio and a possible contact that I could make and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Did, you, re- out, did you retain copyright to that photograph? No. Yeah. No. Um, I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure. Possibly. Uh, it's on my website anyway. <laughs> um, 
But it's not something you can resell, really. I mean, there's there's, there's retaining copyright, and then there's making money out of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's, I've got copyright of lots of pictures that I wouldn't sell, just because it probably doesn't feel right, or it's, you know, morally or ethically not. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I I've got copyright to all the wedding work I did, but I'm not going to do anything with any of that other than mm. put it on my website. Yeah. To, you know, it promotes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so the, um, uh, going into work in. Um, a BBC studio um, and um, getting a substantial gig, really. Uh, yeah, it's a brilliant gig. And I'm, I'm really conscious of the fact that I'm very, very lucky. Yeah. That, you know, lots of people would want to do that same job. Because uh, my recollection, there was a, uh, I think it was a, I think his name is Tom Hoops, but I may be wrong. Um, but he used to do uh, Doctor Who stuff. And they used to they used to be able to take him down from London because he used to tweet about it mm. and say, but so I, I never knew that you were, the Doctor Who stills photographer? Well, only for the last two series. Right, okay. So obviously we're on uh, series 10 is just finished. Ah, right, okay. I did series 9 and series 10. So okay. there was somebody else doing it before me. Right. Um, but people change jobs, people change what they want to do, so people yeah, get bored yeah. doing things. And, yeah, yeah. And the people who are working at BBC Worldwide constantly, constantly changing. So, you know, you just, this job came up. So what happened was I was on Wizards vs. Aliens. Right. Um, and the person who I was working for on Wizards vs. Aliens moved to Doctor Who. Right. Um, and she recommended me to the person who's in charge of Doctor Who photography at BBC right. Worldwide. Um, and I just got a call out of the blue. Um, I'm right. looking for new photographers to work on, on Doctor Who. Are you yeah. interested? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think initially she said, she said, oh, we're going to probably try and get two or three photographers because it's a big job for one person to be relying on one person because if they're not available, because mm-hmm. it's all freelance anyway, you mm-hmm. know, people got other jobs to do. Work comes in and you can't do something or you want to go holiday or... So the initial intention was, oh, we get two or three photographers to, to right. you know, have, have a, a, little, a little group of you. And what was the first day like? The first day was... Oh, the first day actually was pretty bad. Um... <laughs> Obviously, I've been on set before this, so I'd done, I'd done three series of Wizard of Aliens, I'd done Sarah Jane yeah. Adventures, I'd done a little a couple you, of so you knew, downstairs. You, you knew how a studio worked. I knew how the studio worked, I knew, I knew who was who on set, because yeah. that's really important. Ha, ha, knowing how television is made is one of the most important things about yeah. being a photographer. Yeah. Um, but and getting to know first, the DOP very well, yeah. Yeah, you need to, yeah, yeah. So you, uh, well, the first, the first AD is most important. Oh, first AD, yes. Um, because they're the one that can kick you off if you're in the way. Yeah. And it's all about not being in the way, which is the, which was the problem on day one. So day one, um, Peter Capaldi wasn't filming that day. Um, Jenna Coleman was the, the companion that day. And it was a scene, they were filming a couple of scenes and the episode was all set in underwater corridors and this hexagonal room, which had one door in and out. There was no way to see in the room from outside it. You were either in the room or you weren't in the room. Um, and it was tiny. So by the time there was two cameras, four actors, sound, ADs, camera assistants, all in this room, there wasn't room for me. I spent the first five hours sitting watching it on a telly outside. <laughs> and, but fortunately, my client was there and could see the situation and has been doing it long enough to know that that's just the way it is, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't the kind of like, you have to get pictures type thing. It was like, well, this is a situation. She's like, fine, okay. We'll wait it out. And there was some corridor stuff later on. I did get some pictures. But yeah, it wasn't a great start. Um, and it's it's really frustrating when you know that there are good pictures happening and you can't take them. But I think one of the most important things about being a unit photographer is understanding that 
I'm like the least important person there. Yes. I'm not making the show. And everybody else there is aware of the fact that I don't really need to be there for there to be a Doctor Who show. Yes. You know, I, I, I the, the show will happen yeah. without me being there at all. No one will notice if I'm not there. <laughs> if I don't turn up on a day I'm supposed to be there, no one will care. Um, I am this kind of like department of one. You know, you have the camera department, you have the lighting department, you have the sound department, you have costume, makeup, actors, ADs, and there's me on my own. Yes. And I operate as kind of like a one-man band. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky job because you have to be like as close to the camera as you can you can get yes. most of the time which without being in the way and that's that's the skill very i think yeah, it's very not yeah. a particularly difficult thing to take pictures of really great sets and people in amazing costumes who no, look no. great doing exciting things yeah the stuff's all there yeah the sk- the skill is like for you being able to be in the room where you need to be and take those pictures without getting in people's way without making a noise without tripping over cables bumping the camera yeah being an actor's eye line, all these things come before being able to take the photograph, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then it's all about trying to find a frame that is interesting and tells the story of that scene, but getting that frame without there being a light stand in the back or a boom mic in the top or uh, the edge of a camera inside of your frame. You know, you, you need to be able to find that. Yeah, yeah. Because there's stuff everywhere. Indeed. So there's like a light stand just out the frame here and a boom yeah, just out the frame yeah, here yeah, and yeah. a little bit of cable running across the floor in the corner there. Yeah. So I became super aware of everything that was... Framing. All, all the way to the edges, which previously I hadn't. I was a bit slapdash with that kind of thing. Yeah. So being a newspaper photographer, slapdash about everything. That was that was something as well because you, you have to look... Because if you do get a bit of cable in an awkward place in the back, you can't use the picture at all. You know, because... If I can't quickly retouch it out, they're probably not going to bother retouching it out. Plus, also, I have to be careful if I send them stuff with problems in it because sometimes they won't catch it. So they won't. Uh, yes, they because they got, idiot. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's that whole. You know, remember the water bottle with Downton Abbey? There's a press shot, a setup press shot, portrait, lighting, and everything else. They stood in front of the fireplace right. in character, Downton yeah. Abbey, and there's a water bottle on the mantelpiece behind them. And everyone's like, oh, how could the photographer do that? That's outrageous. But I know exactly how that happened. It was two-minute shoot. Yeah. They set everything up. They came in. Photographer's shooting before they've even stopped moving. Bang, yeah. bang, 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 bang. Someone's put a water bottle down at the last minute just before that, and he yeah. hasn't noticed. Yeah. Bang, 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 bang. Thank you very much, and away. And it's very but easy to happen. Ten people yeah. saw that picture before it was released, and no one spotted the water bottle. They could have taken that out in two seconds. It's not the photographer's fault. It's, you know. Down the line. If I was shooting that and I saw the water bottle there, I wouldn't have bothered stopping. I would have just carried on, because if you're given two minutes. That's all you've got. You, you, you've got to get it on that two minutes and, then, mm-hmm. and the water bottle can stay there and be sorted out later. If I see stuff that I, can, that I know can be sorted out later, yeah. then I just go, oh, leave it, we'll just. Because sometimes costume will whisper in your ear, oh, you know, this yeah. is, there's a bit of mark there. Oh, yeah. I'll just say, leave it, we'll do it later. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because it'll take them 10 minutes to go in and rub it out yeah. in real life and it'll take me 30 seconds Second. in Photoshop. If my, my ex-partner, she was a wardrobe and she was great and she uh, used to do Polaroids and some of her Polaroid shots are just magnificent. Really? Really. Do you know that lovely quality of the old Polaroids? Yeah. Where, um, and uh, I mean, she's got some um, Claire Bloom, for example. And it is a beautiful shot of Claire mm. Bloom, you know. 
Um, and costume quite often have that relationship with actors. That they do a very much more close, personal relationship than very anybody personal, else on set because yeah, they yeah. see them first thing in the morning and they dress yeah. them and see them lasting at night. So there's obviously something going on, you know, because you know if you're doing portraiture, uh, what I found with uh, uh, or what I find with doing portrait portraiture, I just shot a, a, a book cover, um, and it's getting to know the people, mm. and uh, even in a short space of time, you can you can. Feel people, can't you? You know, you know how they are. Yeah, I mean, this I, is I, found thing. When I when I, I, I when I shoot the, the TV stuff, you you literally get them for a couple of minutes, and you've kind of got to figure out within that couple of minutes what they're happy doing and what they're not happy doing, whether they think they've got a good side and a bad side, because some people do, even though they haven't. You know, some people think they've got one side better than the other, but you want you still need to photograph both sides because yeah, yeah. you need them looking left and right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you don't really get a chance to build a relationship or, or, or find out, you know. About no, but them, within but that within that small period of time you have, because it, it was I, I think it was Eisenstadt said you have to click with a person before you click the camera, mm. and and I think there's a, a huge element of truth in that, especially if you're dealing with people, especially doing portraiture. That's a you know where you have time and uh, to build some sort of relationship with people and have an understanding of how they want themselves portrayed as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, with TV is a little bit different because yes. they're not themselves. No, no, they're indeed. They're a character, indeed. so they have to, instead of instead of being themselves and you getting to know them as a person, mm. you, you need to know their character. Indeed. And they need to know their character so that they can project that in, in the yeah. photo. So yeah. one of the first things I'll say to people, because quite often I'll, um, I might photograph them on a white background as a one-on-one thing before I've seen them do any acting. So I have to say to them, you know, what is your character like? What... What do you, you know, you do what you think is right for your character. You be your character and mm. I'll just take pictures because I can't direct them. No. I can't say, look angry or look this way or look that way because that might not be right for their character. So you have to kind of trust them to do what, what, what is appropriate. What they discuss. And, and it, that's their job yeah. is, is acting. So you have to trust them to do, you can't tell them, oh no, I don't like it like that. Do it like this because they kind of have to know. Yeah. Uh, uh, on set, um, um, I mean, you have all these professional people around you, a wardrobe, makeup. Uh, everybody's taking photographs, actually. Well, makeup They're not take... supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> no personal photographs on set. No, yeah, but they are taking... But yeah, from the continuity. Continuity yes. and stuff. Yes. So, so all that's going on. Yeah. And do you talk to other people about your work? I mean, do you have time to talk? I mean, I've talked to cameramen before and, you know, they... Have an interest in stills photography. Some of them do, yeah. Some of the, um, DOP sometimes, you know, sometimes a DOP will walk in with a better camera than what I got. Um, <laughs> Does that piss you off? Well, no, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's quite frustrating when when you see um, Peter's like, Peter Capaldi's actually quite a keen photographer, and he takes pictures on set sometimes. Right. And it's quite frustrating to see him taking pictures that I can't take because he can do what he wants. You know, he can walk up to any other guest actor and go, "Oh, pose there and take this picture," and I can't do that. So that could be quite frustrating, um, but yeah, you get you get some crew who are like, oh, what camera's that? You know, what, what you're using? You know, and and yeah, everyone's most people do it as a hobby at some point. You know, they, they, even if it's just with their phone. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, you get camera assistants and stuff who are interested in the more technical kind of like gear type side of things because that's their job is is mm. technical. Um, but I know, I mean, I, and and I, there's some actors as well that's. Like, oh yeah, I do pictures. You know what? What's the camera you're using? Oh yeah, that, you know. And then I have a little bit of a chat with you, but not that often. And you don't get you don't get a chance for in depth chats. So it doesn't it doesn't get to the kind of like how many megapixels is yours type <laughs> level of conversation very often. But yeah, I mean, I, I learn a lot from from watching from watching other people because um, it's it's an and the other thing that is I think is important to say is that 
it's such a collaborative making a TV show is such a collaborative thing and I'm like my yeah some of my pictures look amazing and I look at them and think that's amazing but a lot of why it's amazing is nothing to do with me it's the set design and the art department and the costume department and the makeup and the, and, and the actors themselves and and the DOP is lit it you know beautifully and, and that's why the picture looks amazing and I'm just recording what is in front of me it's more of a documentary thing um, and if it wasn't for all of those other people my pictures would be nothing, you know? You have to appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons why I don't have a problem with me not owning the copyright because when you do TV and film stuff, generally the production company will own the copyright. Mm. But because I've not had much creative input, I don't feel like they're my pictures creatively. I think a lot of the creative work is done by other people. I think it's fine for them to own the copyright. I don't really have an issue with that Um, because I'm just really, you know, thankful that all that stuff is there in front of me to photograph you know you do your white background shoot of one of these amazing monsters with prosthetics and everything and you see the prosthetics people working and the the makeup and the the costumes and the, and the you know the, the, they make like ro- giant robots and, and it's, it's amazing what they do and you, and you look at it really close up and it's amazing it's not just amazing on TV it's amazing in real life close up it looks mm. incredible and that's why the pictures look good because of them so um yeah, I think um, I think you can get a bit precious about copyright. I think they're just as entitled to copyright those pictures as I am. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you really was um, um, we talked before the, we started recording about that you'd been to talk to uh, students about your work. Mm. Um, how do you see um, that whole area? And because, I mean, you learned on the job. You, yeah. Uh, um, and you... Uh, gave yourself to to do um, um, to work on the student newspaper, which then led to working, sending stuff into the South Wales Echo, and then that exploding mm-hmm. and becoming work and mm-hmm. more work and more work. Yeah. What advice would you give to these kids who are coming out of university now with their BAs in photography? Is that is that? It's difficult because I've never done any education. I don't really know what education is providing them. I'm sure they're learning useful stuff. Um, but I think you, you, there's certainly no need to go to university, I don't think, in order to do it for a living. I think if, if you ask probably the vast majority of professionals who are you know, well-known professionals now, mm. they probably didn't go to university. Mm. Or they did, but they didn't do photography. Mm. Um, and maybe that's the most important thing. You know, you get a grounding, you get an education and a grounding in, in something you're interested in, and then mm. you take that and you apply it to your photography. And yes. Lots of people who are doing personal work are doing personal work that is based on their main interest. Yeah, they're not yeah. like the wildlife photographer is a typical one, isn't it? Like wildlife photographers are really interested in wildlife, and they take pictures of it. You can't just be a wildlife photographer because you've got lots of cameras. No. So I think I'm kind of more on the technical side it's not like my photography is coming from an underlying interest my photography is more of a commercial editorial and does your does your electronic training um click in because obviously kit doesn't worry you because you have it definitely helped in in the early stages yeah i mean the transition to digital was quite difficult because um you basically went from put a roll of film in the back of a camera then go back to the office and give it to somebody else to doing everything yourself and for a lot of photographers who've been doing it for like 30 years already film suddenly they've got a laptop and a mobile phone and flashcards and they're having to load the flashcard onto their laptop edit through on screen caption them 
do basic colour adjustments, send them on a mobile phone back to the office, that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously, I had a background in computers and electronics and that stuff wasn't a problem for me. I already knew kind of yeah. the technology was fine. Yeah. Um, so for the transition, definitely it helped. I mean, I think, you know, there's nobody now that really has a problem. It's got a lot simpler as well. You don't have to use special cards to send stuff off laptops. You no. just Wi-Fi hotspots and all this kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but it's just kind of like ingrained in everything now, isn't it? Everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody knows yeah. about email. And yeah, the speed of it, though, uh, to be able to cope with the speed of uh, having to deliver material. There's a very good photographer I know, um, Alec Llewellyn, and he works in West Wales. He's a, he does sport. He does everything, really, um, and uh, part of an agency. But he's able to wire stuff almost as soon as he's taken a photograph, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was- all that really the newspapers care about now, isn't it? Is it's getting speed. it first. It doesn't have to yeah. be good or accurate. They just want it first. That's usually the news story thing, isn't it? It's like first and then we'll figure out what the problems are later and change it. Um, but yeah, speed is everything with news um, because of the internet. Mm. It didn't matter when it was newspapers. As long as you got it in before the edition went to press, that was fine. Yeah. But now they're constantly updating the websites. So they need the stuff as soon as you can send it. And I know people who are still working on newspapers now, that is... They, you know, that's the thing. They're kind of they're shooting a job and then they're sitting in the car and sending it before they go to the next job. Yeah. Whereas when I was doing it, you would shoot all day and send all your stuff at the end of the day. Yeah. So more pressure in, in oh, on, on, on press photography. These definitely, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially, and then they've got to shoot video as well. And yeah. you know, there's definitely more pressure. I don't know whether I would want to do it now. I mean, I probably would if I wasn't doing this. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's a different, definitely a different job. It's weird because when I was starting out, people, you know, you got older photographers reminiscing about the days when they used to shoot medium format and and uh, you know on manual focus cameras and now I'm here reminiscing about the days when I used to shoot just normal digital cameras <laughs> yeah it's quite, it's quite and it, it just it's moving so quickly yeah, yeah. Um, I mean I can see I can see a point where for press stuff stills cameras will become redundant and they will just take video grabs I agree um, yeah it doesn't work for TV yet because the cameras still can't do high resolution um, without the motion blur. Yeah. So because the cameras shoot at 24 frames a second, mm. anything that's moving is blurry, which mm. is how TV works. Mm. Um, so you can't just take a grab of that and use that as your still for, for promotional purposes yeah. because it's a bit blurry and it's not that high resolution. Even a, a HD camera is only two megapixels. Still is two megapixels of a HD camera, I think. Mm. Um, which is not big enough to blow up into posters and all the no, rest I of did, it. No, no. So were you given scripts or anything? Did you know what, um, what was... I do, I get scripts for Doctor Who. I, do, I didn't right. used to get scripts for others. Um, Doctor Who's a little bit different. There's more, there's more um, budget, there's more time, there's more, um, there are loads more uses for the pictures. The pictures go everywhere. Mm. So they just need lots and lots and lots of stuff. Mm. Um, so on a, on a, on an average day, how much would you be shooting? Um, well, I mean, on a, an average day, they might shoot about um, five or six pages of script. Yeah. So maybe only four or five scenes. Mm. Um, sometimes it's all in the same room all day, and all your pictures are quite similar. Other yeah. days, it's, there's lots of variety, and you can get more. Mm. But I mean, I'll shoot anything from five hundred to a thousand frames, mm. and deliver maybe fifty to a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Out of that. Um, and then maybe four of them will actually see the light of day. Do you know what I mean? It's because yeah. because after everything's been signed off and approved, and actors get approval as well, and and then there's some of it might get retouched right. if there's stuff that is is not quite right. And 
Um, would you be involved in that then, or no. is that a different? So I, 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 I will deliver my fifty or hundred pictures, and then they're completely out of my hands. Then okay. I don't know what's going to get used until. Do you deliver the raw then, or is it uh, do you both? Trip? Both. So for for that, I do. Um, I deliver the raws and I do my own. You know, I color correct and, and yeah. contrast and color. You know, like the, the basic stuff. I don't retouch things. I don't change what the picture is of. If there's a boom mic in that I can take out really easily, I might take it out of the top of the frame. Or yeah. if there's um, sometimes you get the actors' marks by their feet, yes. they're, they're quite easy to remove. Yeah. Um, but generally, I'm trying to frame it without any of that stuff in, so it doesn't need any retouching, just for speed. Do, do they? Um, do you do stuff then that is um, specifically set up? Because I've been on uh, on uh, film set and um, where I shot the action. Um, and then um, was specifically asked to do setups. Then yeah. does that happen with you? Yeah. The- uh, so, I mean, it it splits into basically. There's basically four areas of, of photography that I do. So you got being on the set while they're filming mm. and catching the action while they're filming it. Behind the scenes pictures, so pictures of crew working, mm. like their makeup done, all that kind of stuff as mm. well. They they like that. Um, and then the, there's two lots of setups. So we do. Almost all of the speaking characters, we do um, seamless white background studio lights. Yep. Um, and we do them in various poses and you know, in character. Those can then be used either just released as they are, or they can be used um, in composites yep. against backplates. And they'll build up pictures with various characters. You can't get all the characters in one go. Very rarely are they available. So we're, we're picking characters who are free in between takes or in between scenes. Because you can't, you can't just grab them, put them over there and take a picture because they have to be checked by costume and makeup as well before you can do it. Right. Yeah, there must be a lot of bureaucracy surrounding, uh, yeah. especially with a, uh, an iconic series like Doctor Everything Hall. has to be right, you know. I mean, yeah, and then the, other, the fourth thing we do is what they call the iconics. Mm. So for every episode, there's one big set of picture to represent that episode. And usually, if we can, we do that on set. Um, lights, assistant you know shoot tethered into a laptop all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, we have costume makeup there um, quite often you've got um, prosthetics people as well that are involved um, and those are quite a big thing to set up because finding a bit of set that is free for long enough for us to do a pre-light and because we'll pre-light it and test and everything else and we'll have the actors for maybe 15 minutes if we're lucky mm-hmm. and then they go away again um, so that's quite stressful and high pressure but I quite like doing those because that's when I can be a little bit more creative because I'm kind of given the set to do with as I please, you know, and right, you can okay. work with the actors and they can figure out their poses and, yeah, and yeah. think of something that isn't and, and directly what, part of the story. And what sort of relationship did you build with the, with the actors? Because you worked on two series, so you were, you know, so you're working on, I don't know how many episodes they make, but uh, six, 12. 12 episodes. 12 episodes per series plus a Christmas special. So yeah. you get to know the actors quite well then, yeah? Yeah, I mean, you don't... A lot of the actors come in just for one one episode. So the guest actors you kind of like mm. see briefly and then they're gone again and then mm. there's a new lot of guest actors so you don't really get to know them that well. Peter Capaldi was really nice, very professional. You know, he, he knows exactly what's needed. You know, when you want him in character, he's, he's, he's the doctor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you do. But what I don't tend to do is try, you don't get to be kind of like, pally with them offset. you know what I mean no, no. they're off doing it's, their own thing they're learning their job. lines they're either in their trade learning lines or yeah. they're getting in costume or whatever so yeah. you only really see them on set and it's so there are so many people and it's so high pressured and 
there's never enough time to, to film what they need to film. They're always up against time. So there aren't really those times when you can sit and have it. You barely get a chance to chat to the crew, never mind the actors. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's nice when you get an actor who is understanding of what the stills photographer needs and, and doesn't, you know, protest about having a... Some actors don't like stills photographers on set. Uh, yes, I've, I've met one. Yeah, and he was horrible. Um, <laughs> and then it's then it's difficult. Um, but Peter was always fine, and yeah. also with eye lines as well. He was never a problem with eye lines because some actors are more sensitive to a camera being in their eye line than others. Of course. Um, so yeah, it, it was absolutely fine. Um, uh, but the, and that's the difficult thing with with having a guest actors each episode. You don't you don't know where that line is with with actors because they're new each time. So every time you're on set with new people, you kind of have to start gentle and push the boundaries a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until you know what it kind of... Because the last thing you want to do is upset anybody. Indeed. Because if I upset somebody important, I'm probably never going to work on it again. Yeah. So you kind of, you've got to kind of like be aware of where that, where that, line, line, is. Where that line is and not overstep it. Yeah. Partly with the crew, um, but the crew are great. Um, but definitely with the actors. Um, it's not, and one of the other things, um, the crew is mostly the same from the two series of Doctor Who I've done as well. So you come back and it's the same crew and they already know you. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I can trust you to stand six inches from my camera during a take because I know you're not going to bump into it because yeah. you've done it before. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, it, I think, I mean, I've heard stories of some photographers who've gone on set and made uses of themselves and the production have turned around and said, never send them again. Yeah. We don't want that person on our set again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's mostly what the job is, is just... Being able to get on with everybody, get what you need, get out, not be in the way, yeah. not be a nuisance. Yeah, it's kind of that, that's all. That's that's all it is, really. It's, it's not. It's not a complicated photographic job. Yeah, um, the lighting's done for you. Right. So, would you regard yourself now as a um, a photographer that works exclusively in the medium no, of television? No, no, not at all. No. No, because, so what, what because that enjoy? job could disappear tomorrow, and yeah, I have to find someone else. To yeah, do cool. it. So, but well, what is what, what gives you pleasure from? Uh, uh, I mean, um, you must do personal work. Well, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible with personal work. I just can't. I can't get going on on, on projects and stuff. I have ideas, and then I have ideas when I'm not busy, and then when I I think about them, and then I get busy, and I put those those ideas just disappear again. You know? Okay. Um, and I'm really bad at carrying. I'm not got a camera with me today. I'm really bad at carrying a camera wherever I go. You know, I can't I just yeah, yeah. kind of well, can't get into the habit of that. Um, but do you have any ambition? I, like, I mean, I like port portraiture. Oh, okay. Is is the other thing that I like doing. So there is some portraiture work involved with doing the telly because I do the, the the seamless white background stuff, and that's portrait work. And then the iconics are partly portraiture. Yeah. Um, but I also do that for kind of like corporate and commercial clients and stuff as well. Right. Um, and I enjoy that kind of like. Uh, not so much I mean I'm happy to do studio stuff but I quite like taking lights out on location and setting stuff up you know using the location and using lighting mm -hmm. and, and, and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um, so yeah I mean like the more I'd like to do more portraiture you know more editorial style portraiture um, it's just finding clients on a book you to do it it's always yeah. the way you know? no, yeah. uh, um, from a technical point of view how because um, developments are happening all the time and uh, cameras are changing all the time and now you almost don't need to have a blimp anymore. You have uh, Sony A9 it's on my shopping list. It's very expensive, though. It is very expensive. <laughs> um, I've had a Fuji X-T1 for the last couple of years, right. which has a silent mode. Um, 
and it's great when you can use it but the problem with site electronic shutters up until now has been the flickering banding effect you get with various light sources yes with tv they use all different kinds of lights they use hmis and tungstens and leds and fluorescents and all sorts and yeah, they yeah. quite often mix them all up so you never know what is being used on set you have to go around and have a look and see what actually is lighting the setup yeah and so there are lots of situations where those electronic shutters don't work um, especially if you've got something that's moving you need to freeze action you yes. want to use a higher shutter speed but mm. you can't because then you get black lines through your picture mm. so i still need the blimps the sony a9 on paper looks to have solved that problem mm. um, and i know there are lots of other unit photographers who've got at least got a mirrorless camera alongside blimps mm. um, i'm going to hire one before the next series starts to test it yeah. um, and probably get one of those soon um, but yeah, four and a half grand for a mirrorless camera is ridiculous. But yeah, technology is changing that quite rapidly. And that'll be another thing that's that's kind of like a leveling of the playing field again. You know, if you don't have to have an expensive blimp, because the blimps are like two grand. Two grand, yeah, they're expensive. For one blimp and a couple of tubes. And I've got two cameras, I've got need two blimps because changing the tubes between it's, takes is a pain in the ass. It's five minutes of unscrewing things and taking it all apart and putting it all back together again. Mm. Um, so mirrorless cameras on paper look brilliant. And if I can get away with having a couple of Sony A9s and a couple of Zooms, um, that's great. Because I also have to stand around for 12 hours a day with them on my shoulders. Indeed. And those blimps are really heavy. Yeah. So anything that makes that easier would be nice. Um, are you tempted at all to uh, flip the switch to video and video some stuff? Uh, not when I'm on set. I know it's something that photographers are supposed to be doing now shooting video everyone's supposed to be shooting video it's supposed to be more and more important um the internet likes video i don't particularly i don't have a massive interest in shooting video i i have more interest now than i did before i started doing tv work and i, and I can see the skill and, uh, and 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 what's involved in shooting it and obviously i've got more of an idea on how you would construct a scene and shoot it from when out you shoot a master and then you go in tight and then you shoot the reverse angle and all this kind of stuff and how you would edit it together and you, that's just something you pick up as you're standing there watching them do it um but no i mean quite often when i'm there there's there's a behind the scenes team filming as well because they film stuff for dvd extras and, and the mm. internet and they film it so you've got to avoid those as well so it? they're they're quite often there shooting video on top of the the show yeah, shooting yeah, their yeah, own video yeah, yeah. Um, so there's no real place for me to shoot video. I did, um, there's a possibility we might start doing little bits of video when we shoot the white background, like almost like video portraits. Mm. So just a little bit of movement. So just a little bit of that? Yeah, and I'll kind of like, not the same way, but you know when they shoot all these sports people and they, instead of just showing a headshot, they have them walk towards the camera and fold their arms. Yeah. Which is really cheesy and everyone does exactly the same thing. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. stupid, but that kind of thing where it's a moving portrait rather than a, a completely yeah. still portrait is possibly something we might do. Um, is that in your control or is that something they would ask you to do? It's uh, something they would ask me to do. I could suggest it if I wanted to and if mm. they didn't like it, they would just say, oh, don't bother. You know, because the other thing is the, the small amount of time. Yeah. You only do it if you get the time. Mm. Um, the priority is always to get what they need, which is, the, you know, at mm. the moment is the stills. Mm. But if at some point they said, oh yeah, we really need to get video as well, then we would have to try and build that in and make the time mm. for it. Mm. Um, and for commercial and corporate stuff, I know there's, you know, there's a lot of interest in getting video now. Yeah. I think what I don't want to do is do it badly. And I think a lot of people just kind of like, oh, well, my camera does video, I'll do a little bit of video, but it's bad video. Yeah, you know? indeed. And, and quite often the most important thing about video is the sound as well. 
Yes. And if you do good video and bad sound, it, it's still bad video. You know, yeah. there's no point. Yeah. Um, I feel like I probably picked up some skills from watching stuff, but I've never really, I've not done it yet. Do you know what I mean? And I, no one's really asked me to do it yet. Yeah. What's competition like? I have no idea. Um, I don't know who else does it. I don't. <laughs> um, well, the only other guy I know who does it around in South Wales is Warren Orchard. Yes, no, I've heard of Warren. I've never met Warren. Um, never, I'm yeah. aware. I'm aware he, he does it. Um, I don't know. I don't think there are that many people doing it as a kind of like almost full time thing. You know, they're not that many people who specialise in it. Um, and it's like anything else. It's who you know and. I wouldn't be doing it unless I knew the person who did mm. Sarah Jane Adventures of Wizards and then moved to Doctor Who knows the person who does, you know, it's, it's that thing. It's, it's the snowball effect. You do one job and it turns into lots of jobs. Yeah, and the trust thing, of course. Is, and trust, yeah. yeah. And, and that is, that's the thing that's been explained to me. It's like, um, we could try a new photographer, but we have to trust them not to mess it up. Yes. Before we can send them on big jobs. So you have to start on smaller things. Um, like, uh, I've had a couple of assistants who are like, oh yeah, I'd love to do this. But, you know, how do you start? It's difficult. I don't know how I would start. If I was to move from scratch, I don't know how I would start. Mm. I suppose it's, if you do go through the university process and you meet people who are making short films, you know, meet, meet student filmmakers and get on their short films and shoot and you start that way. Mm. And then you move up as they move up. Mm. Um, but to break into something like Doctor Who from scratch would be almost impossible I think mm. you know they, they can't they can't send however good their pictures are they have to know that they're going to be able to be on a set um, where they're spending huge amounts of money every day to make you know it's, it's, and not and not cause problems yes it's uh, it's being almost un, un, unnoticed almost yeah isn't it? you'd be it's invisible invisible yeah. Yeah. Get, get all these pictures but make sure nobody notices you're doing them <laughs> I actually had an actor um, quite often what happens is I start on a, we start on a new episode and I don't get a chance to introduce myself to some of the actors so I'll be there taking pictures and I think I'd done like two or three days on set with this particular actor and then we did our white background session and I, and that was the first time I'd introduced myself I said oh hi I'm Simon I'm the still photographer you probably noticed me around on set taking pictures oh no I, have, I haven't seen you she said I didn't I didn't oh, oh so that's brilliant that's yeah. perfect I'm doing my job properly yeah, yeah. but I've been like three days 12 hours a day Standing, you know, six feet from her, taking pictures of her all the time. Right. And she hadn't even noticed I was there. Right. And I, I find that hard to believe. But if that's the case, then that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, it's that, that's, that's the skill, I think, is just being able to be invisible and not. Mm. And you have to make, I think photographers are used to being the centre of attention and having control over things. And you mm. have to appreciate that you're not the centre of attention. Yeah. And take a step back yeah. and get stuff when you can get it and not not force it not like don't yeah. panic if you go three hours and you haven't taken a picture yet yeah, you just that's... have to accept it you, <laughs> I've, I've sat in front of Video Village watching the monitors for hours before taking my first pictures of the day and thinking, so do you get out to go out on location as well with them yeah you? yeah yeah so um, yeah everywhere um, and sometimes abroad occasionally they'll okay. go for a week and shoot in a weird look weird so um, you're hired to do Doctor Who yeah, so how many days do you do in a uh, during a, a week? Um, it varies. Um, 
I think it's usually around about 10 days per block. So a block is about four or five weeks. So mm-hmm. it's two to three days a week it works out at. But it could be five days one week and nothing the next week. Mm-hmm. It, it, could, it totally depends on what they're filming that day because what they do is go through the scenes. As soon as the schedule comes out, they'll go through all of the scene, all of each day, which scenes have been filmed which day, which actors are in those scenes, which sets they're on, all that kind of stuff, and try and figure out which days are the best to send me. Because if it is a day when they're in a little box with no windows all day and there's not going to be room for me in there, then they won't send me. It's not worth it. It's pointless me sitting on my backside yeah. all day doing nothing. So they'll discuss it with the ADs and, and the production manager and locations people and set people and stuff and have a look and see which are the best days to send me. Um, and obviously within that then they're also trying to get coverage of all of the main actors all of the important scenes, all of the different locations. So they've got at least one day on this location and a day on this location and a day on this location. And mm. they've got this actor and this actor and this actor. So they've got all the variety that they need to tell the story, um, which is difficult sometimes because sometimes you see a set and most of the episode happens on that set and the set is not good for stills. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, um, I was involved with, um, they did, um, it was the 40th anniversary of Publicom. Oh yeah. And I did the book. Because um, they were bringing out a book. That was an interesting, because I was kind of allowed on set all the time. Uh, there was uh, It's great, that studio, isn't it? Yes, With all the, all the various all little the, rooms. Absolutely off, amazing. like one but, corridor and then all the rooms off you at the pub next to someone's living room and then a bedroom. And what I found amazing was all the letters and things, you know? Yeah, the it, detail it, is incredible. The detail is yeah. amazing. I mean, it's the same with Doctor Who. The art department's amazing because you go into these space, you know, they built a spaceship. Great, it's a spaceship. It looks like a spaceship brick. But then there'll be like the engineering department and there's all these little nuts and bolts and little sci-fi symbols on everything. And, and it's, you know, the, the, the thought that goes into it is incredible. So do you shoot detail like that as well? Yes, right? yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. I mean, if there's interesting stuff, props, we shoot all the props on white backgrounds as well for later right. on. Because it's not just, like most of what I'm thinking about when I'm shooting is, you know, there's magazines and newspapers, there's Doctor Who magazine, for example, uses tons of pictures and mm. then there's all the newspapers and magazines and internet sites that review each episode and need stills for that and then there's pre-publicity and but also there's merchandise you know they, they need if they sell an action figure there needs to be photos on the box of the action figure right. it's so all that stuff it's, how, it's how so do, many pictures how do you go shooting a Dalek then I mean you know no, this really intrigues me how do you <laughs> shoot a Dalek because he's not going to give you anything is he he's not gonna, he's not going to smile yeah we basically put him on a white background and just turn him around bit by bit and take all the angles yeah there's not a lot you can do with the Dalek you know a Cyberman you can do something with a Cyberman yeah well, we have three different kinds of Cybermen at the end of uh, right. the most recent series that was right. interesting and what was it uh, from a just a sort of I mean, cheesy question your favourite character that you've had to do on in Doctor Who what uh, like alien Monster type character or character? Well, in alien type monster. We'll do both. Um, let me think. There was, I mean, the Cybermen were really good. What was interesting about Cybermen, because I'm not a Doctor Who fan. I don't have any backstory with Doctor Who. I haven't, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of the whole <laughs> timeline stuff. I've watched it over the years, you know, and I, yeah, uh, yeah. And I watch it now out of professional interest because I want to see the show that, is, that I was working on. Yeah. Um, but I, but they did this thing with the Cybermen at the end of the last series where they they explained the, gen- the, the genesis of the Cybermen, how they changed over time from one character. To- so they had three different versions of Cybermen as they got more modern. So that was interesting. Um, in terms of um, like human characters, um, 
Michelle Gomez is hilarious. Right. Okay. <laughs> She's quite difficult to photograph, but she gives you all these pictures. It's brilliant. You don't have to do anything. She just stands there and she's, she's bonkers. She will give you all these amazing poses. Um, but I'm laughing most of the time. You know, she's, she's really funny. Um, yeah, so that was, and that was towards the end of this series. Oh, she's been in kind of like throughout the last series, but the big, the big story was at the end. Yeah. Um, but then you get, yeah, you get like robots and, and the weird thing is quite often you forget that there's a person inside these things. So you see them on set and, and they've got their heads on and, and they're in these big costumes and you photograph them and, and you kind of walk up to them and just take pictures of them like this and you forget, it's like there's somebody in there. <laughs> you forget to say hello, you know? Um, and then you see them walking down a corridor later without their costume on. You have no idea who they are. They go, oh, hello, and I, who are you? Oh, I was inside that, you know, that big green thing. So has working with um, uh, on the set and uh, DOPs, getting to know DOPs, how has, has that ch- uh, changed or how has that informed the way you perceive lighting? Massively. Yeah, yeah. I've learned a lot from watching DOPs. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting. I mean, I quite often, there's loads of waiting around on set for mm-hmm. me. Uh, some, you know, people like the camera team and the lighting team are quite often busy, but I, I'm only really shooting when stuff's happening, you know, when, when they're filming or rehearsals. So there's a lot of waiting around and I spent a lot of that time watching them set lights up and, and seeing how they do, you know, what, why, why is there a gel on that light when you can't really see the effect on screen and, and why are they using fluorescents for that and HMIs for that and LEDs for that and, or, and flagging stuff off and scrims and nets and mm. they, they, they've got so many tools, you know, and, and it would be lovely for me to turn up on a photo shoot with two trucks full of equipment, but it, it doesn't happen. So you have to kind of translate that into a much smaller yeah, indeed. kit. But yeah, watching watching how how TV and, and film is, is lit is, is really interesting. And one of the things I've noticed that is everything is predominantly backlit with film. Mm. Um, whereas I probably previously would have shot, you know, the typical 45 degree softbox up yes. here. Well, I've changed the way I shoot my white background um, stills to be more to be more shadow on the front of the face and be more side lit and backlit. Okay, and cool. More to match what they're what they're filming, and, but also I think yeah, it does look better. I don't I don't I'm not sure why, but it does. Yeah, more modelling on the face and stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, but you see like the amount of time. I mean, not in terms of um, they don't spend like an hour setting up a, a, a scene you know they haven't got that amount of time they're really quick at doing it but mm. they do they put a lot of effort into getting it just right you know it's mm. like move that light six inches to the left mm. bring it up a tiny bit put a flag in front of it soften it a little bit by here and it and it translates to this amazing but they can do it really quickly you know yeah 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 um so your the expertise and how you're talking about working on set are wonderful and uh, it is a, um, a skill set which not many people and not many photographers have um where would you well, like... I didn't have it when I started no no the yeah, first day I walked on yeah. set I didn't have a clue what I was doing <laughs> oh, you, no, no no I, I, no, I, nobody... dis- I dispute that Simon you well, would know because you probably... I've never been on a set before right okay so you've never been on any sort of so I no, I mean I've been on when working for newspapers. I've been on, um, I've been on sets like things like Question Time and and the sort of things that would be in a newspaper. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. TV shows, yeah, studio audience, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Never been on a drama set, right? Okay, um, which is completely different. Yeah. So 
the first time I was ever on a set proper was that rehearsal, um, shooting rehearsals of the Ronnie Corbett, Sarah Jane Adventures thing. Yes. Um, when I didn't have a blimp and uh, I was just kind of like hanging back. I didn't know what was going on. I was just absorbing all of this stuff, you know, watching everything that was happening yeah. and trying to figure out who, I didn't know who, the difference between the first AD and the second AD and the third AD yeah. or, or the, you know, and what their various jobs were. I didn't, um, I didn't appreciate the re I didn't even realize that the reason that everyone was sat watching monitors in the corner of the room was because costume and makeup have to watch mm. what's being filmed to make sure that everything looks right because then they can change it for the next take. I thought they were just watching it because they had nothing else to do. I, I had no idea what was going on. So that was... You were an innocent abroad. Yeah. You? And and so it's just about kind of like watching and taking note of everything and just absorbing all of this stuff. And the more you do it, the more you pick up. And it, I've just been doing it long enough now that I know... Do you think If that, I've got a question, I know whether to ask the first AD or mm. the third AD or the runner. Yes. Not bother the first AD with an unimportant question that the runner could answer. Indeed. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that's just by being there a lot. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one's told me anything. Yeah. There's, there's no it, training for it. No. The, the only way I knew about when I did, uh, when I've done some photography first or see and shot some stuff for magazines to show a show being made, um, then, but, but I'd been on a set before. I, you know, I knew the structure Mm. and how it all worked and you know get, getting to know uh, that uh, as you just said you know the knowing a runner is really quite quite interesting and because they can give you information as mm. well um that you, you don't need to bother other people with yes but i've uh, i did uh, i had a really bad experience on a set um where it was really it was night shoot it was dark really terribly lit from a stills point of view, <laughs> and you know, you you really are up against it sometimes. You know, and there were a lot of guns and stuff going off, you know, and, and monsters and uh, and things. Um, um, so th I found that really hard. And I found working with an actor when we would did a uh, setup, he was really didn't want to be there. You know, no, and, and, that's, and that's the thing. Some actors don't are not interested in stills at all. No, other ones are. Uh, are fine yeah. and know exactly what to do like you put them in front of a camera and they'll just do a whole lot of poses without yeah. you having to say anything yeah and yeah. others you have to specifically say can you move your head a little bit to the left can you raise you know yeah well I did that exactly I, I, I did that on set and the actor came up to me and said what's my motivation yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's not this is the thing like you can laugh at that but it's not that stupid a question like um, because because they're they're actors and they need to know why they're doing something. I think that's yeah, quite I important guess. with a lot of actors. They kind of, if you just stand them there, they're like, well, well, what am I doing in this picture? What, what's the, what's the, and because the picture's trying to tell a story. Indeed. So unless the actor knows what story they're telling, yeah, you know, is is there somebody chasing? You no, know, for Doctor Who, it's like there's someone chasing you down a corridor, look kind of like over your shoulder, like kind of like you know, scared or. You're the kind of like you're the one with the gun. You've got to look hard and, and, and yeah, aggressive. Yeah, exactly. You're a monster. You've got to kind of like do the monster pose. You know, there's, there's all this kind of stuff. But they need to know why they're doing it. Like, and also if because a lot of those white background pictures are used for comps. Yes. So they're going to be used next to another character. Yes. So you need to say, well, you need to imagine that this person's standing here and you're looking at them. Yeah. Or or this person is over here and they're chasing you. Or yeah. you, you need to tell them why they're doing. Tell them just to look left, look right, look up in the air. It doesn't really work for some no. people. You know, they kind of need to have a bit more backstory to why they're doing something. Well, I did tell him. 
<laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't that impressed. No, I mean, it's, you, I, you, do you know it's like um, handling a gun? You know, yeah. gun, he'd been shooting. You know, mm. we'd we'd done stuff. I'd been there the previous day, previous night, and there was lots of action. So he knew how to use mm. a, a, a rifle and with a sight on it and stuff. And all I wanted to do was to have that aggression and feel that aggression. Mm. And uh, but he was really not playing ball. Why? Why? <laughs> Why am I being aggressive? Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's definitely the case that some are easier to work with than others. You know, and some take a lot more direction than others. Yeah. And some people, you just get what you get, and you think, well, that's it. I'm not going to get anything else. Move on. Go, yeah, move on. Um, <laughs> you know, and you don't get them for very long either. So when we do the white background shoots, we generally get them for like five or ten minutes if yeah. we're lucky. Yeah. There's usually a runner standing next to me with a radio yeah. who will suddenly go, right, that's it, they, they need it back, you okay. know, and yeah. if you, whatever you haven't got, you haven't got. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we try, we try and ask for 10 minutes, and if we get 10 minutes, that's great, but I can usually get what I need in about three. Right. <laughs> so how often do you employ a, a, an assistant then? For those, so usually for the white backgrounds and for the iconics, um, which are bigger setup days, so when I'm, when I'm bringing lights, basically. Mm. Um, I don't bring any lights or anything to set unless we're doing those setups. So, because mm-hmm. obviously I can't use flash on set or anything like that. No. We can't, we don't, very occasionally, if there's something that we need to get um, that we can't set up because they're using the set or because there just isn't time, we will occasionally ask for time during filming for me to step in. So they'll film a scene and I'll ask them to hold what they're doing and I'll step in, shoot a few frames everybody's waiting at that point so yep. nothing you know I'm holding things up so that has to be really quick yes I have to know exactly what I want yep. exactly what I want them to do and get it in about 60 seconds and get out again yeah or it's just they're not going to give me the chance the next time no. so that's rare though we try not to do that if we can get away with it so um I've seen uh, the Doctor Who stuff you've done um and it, uh, really lovely beautifully beautifully shot stuff um has it has your work doing those two series led on to other work which you've uh, or other film work or other series i'm trying to make that happen <laughs> not not yet i mean or are you known as the doctor who photographer now well i don't really want to be known as the doctor who photographer there are there, there are a couple of other guys if i'm not free there are a couple of other guys that come in sometimes and do stuff there's there's a couple of other people that do some of the big um iconic setup stuff is shot in London sometimes, mm. um, and sometimes they'll bring a photographer to Cardiff to do big, big um, setup days where they'll spend all day doing different clothing changes and all this kind of stuff. Um, so those are sometimes other different photographers. So not everything Doctor Who has been shot by me. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the on-set stuff has, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking to do more. I've done a couple of little things since Doctor Who finished this year. I've done a couple of other little uh, the one for Channel Four and a, and a BBC thing that aren't out yet. Um, just dailies just in and out yeah, a couple yeah. of days here and there um, but yeah I mean I, I signed up with a with an agent in London to try and get more of the kind of unit photography and film work um, how's that transpired it's not really transpired at all yet it's slow <laughs> um, but yes it's, you know I'm, I'm not desperate to, to to do stuff right now it's, it's a slow process you know I just right and it'll be the same thing again it'll be one day someone will say can you do this and if I can do it and say yes and I do a really good job, that can lead on to lots of other stuff. You know, you never know when that's going to happen. No, no, indeed. Tomorrow I could get a phone call that leads on to a massive job. Yeah. In, in five years' time, that could lead to something massive, you know. And that's always what I'm thinking is like, 
I do this now that might lead to something else which might lead to something else and people move jobs all the time yeah. and you move with them yeah yeah so how do you fill the rest of your time when you're not working on Dr. Who <sighs> last few months I've been working on my house <laughs> <laughs> DIY painting so you've been photographing um, <laughs> no no I've not been photographing um, I mean I'm always I've always got stuff happening you know there's always a little bit of corporate stuff and commercial stuff and odd jobs here and there and, and I, so I don't kind of I try not to panic every year um, or previously to Doctor Who before the, the the schedule of that I used to get really panicked in January and February because that would be the really quiet time after indeed, Christmas when yeah. no one was booking anything indeed and uh, every year it'd be like oh there's no work coming in there's no work coming in what are we going to do and then it, you know March would come suddenly it would get busy and it would be fun yeah. and, but I wouldn't learn my lesson so every year would be the same I feel the same every year and the same happens now, you know, in between stuff, you think, oh, there's no work coming in. What am I going to do next? Yeah, yeah. And then you get busy and it's fine. You, uh, earlier in the conversation, um, you kind of dismissed it really as a, um, uh, but when I talked about personal projects mm. and you said you had lots of ideas. I would say lots. I've had some. You've had some. <laughs> uh, are you willing to share? Well, uh, um, I, I like doing, I like shooting landscapes as well. Um, but then every photographer likes shooting landscapes. I don't know anybody who doesn't shoot landscapes now and again. It's like, but not kind of like sunsets and stuff. I mean, I mean, really like um, Nadav Kanda's work. Oh, yes. Um, and people like that. Um, and one of the things he did was, I don't know whether you've seen it, it was a really great book, um, the Yangtze River book. Yes, I know. Yeah. I'd love to do that with the Taff. That'd be a nice project. Yeah. So someone can steal that idea now before I do it, because it'll be five years before I get anywhere to do it. Um, but they wouldn't shoot something like, like that. you. Well, no, this is the thing they always say, isn't it? You can tell people about your ideas because no one will shoot it the same <laughs> as you. Um, because I'm, I'm currently doing a book on Pembrokeshire, and it's um, and I'm from Pembrokeshire, so I kind of know that, and I live there now. But um, and loads of books have been done about Pembrokeshire, mm. and it's avoiding the cliche, yeah, absolutely. you know, and finding your voice to say what you want to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, where are you from then, Simon? I'm from Cardiff. Right, oh, Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. um, yeah, I've always lived in Cardiff, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought. Again, it's like, that's from my, on my doorstep, isn't it? So yeah. I can do it in between doing other things, yeah. in theory, but just never get the kind of... <laughs> it's getting going, I think. Once you start, it's okay, but it's getting started. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple of ideas for portrait projects as well, where, you know, I could... Because I, I want to do more portrait work, so, you know, you should shoot what you want to shoot mm. for commercially, shouldn't you? So mm. I should shoot more portrait work. Mm. And, when and then the other thing that... It's not really personal work, but I want to try and get into doing um, actors' headshots. Ah right, okay. Because uh, that's a that's an interesting area to work in. Yeah, it is interesting. I've done a few. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, and I found that uh, it's generally speaking, it's people I know mm. who I've met uh, while doing dramas and, yeah. and stuff, and uh, they asked for for headshots. Um, yeah, it's an interesting area, especially with um, uh, young actors. Um, and female actors mm. um, um, very interesting area because they they seem or because I used to, like I used to work um, in television used to see lots spotlight was the you know so you'd trawl through spotlight yeah, yeah. still is isn't it yeah still, still is, is. Yeah. yeah and you'd see uh, but the tendency was that they over glamorized themselves. Yeah, it, it, yeah. over retouched as well. Over retouched. Yeah. Everybody had really f 
wonderful skin. Plastic skin. Yeah, plastic skin stuff. Do you do a lot of, you know, when you're doing portraits or, or, or doing your wedding stuff, do you do a lot of um, uh I forgot about wedding stuff. Yeah, I did do, do wedding stuff. I've, I've kind of stopped now. Right, um, okay. Temp- I've put it on hold anyway for the, for right. the, for the time being. Um, no, I don't do a lot. I've, I've just recently taught myself a little bit of retouching. Right. Um, you know, online tutorial video type stuff. Um, I kind of, I know how to use Photoshop, but there's particular techniques isn't yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. to retouch people without them looking plastic <laughs> um, no I don't like that very very smooth shiny style of, of retouching at all yeah. I didn't used to retouch wedding pictures at all no because my, my, my approach to weddings was always documentary yes so um, no not really that was that was more kind of like darkroom dodge and burn right. stuff yeah um, but I I can do a little bit of retouching now, but I don't do it on the Doctor Who stuff because that's done by somebody else. Right. Do you shoot anything on film anymore? No. No. Okay. I I had... Um, what was the last film? I've, I've still got two medium format film cameras. I've got a, a Rolly Cord oh, nice. TLR mm. and, um, and one of those um, Fuji 6x9 rangefinders, which is an amazing camera. Mm. It's just the scanning. I can't be doing with the scanning anymore. I had I had years and years of that shooting film and scanning and I, and dust spotting and stuff. Yeah. Uh, people argue that film is better than digital, but it's just not, not anymore. You know, I think from any technical standpoint, digital has surpassed film now. I, I had a, a Leica for a while, um, but again, the scanning got got to be a pain. I just didn't use it because I didn't want to scan it, and then I finally broke down and bought an M nine. Right. Um, and I had that for a few years, but I just sold it um, because I'm not using it. I find I really like the camera and I really like the pictures that come out of it. It was just not that useful for me. I can't use it on sex. It's not quiet. Mm. People say like it's a quiet, but the, like M9 is way too noisy to use right. on the set. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I've kind of moved away from that. I kind of enjoyed the experience of using a rangefinder, but it's difficult to find a camera that is good for. After just because I'm. A professional, I have to justify everything as business costs, you know. Yeah, and you can't. I can't justify owning a Leica from a from a business point of view at all. I did. I I sold the Leica and I bought a Hasselblad um, digital, but it's like a ten year old one, so it only cost me the same as a five D. It was ridiculously cheap, hmm. and that's what I use for my studio stuff for the oh. white backgrounds and iconics and stuff right. like that, which is incredible. And I can't see how a film camera could be as as good technically as that. Uh, maybe if you shoot ten by eight or five by four, it's better. But mm. no one's doing that really are they, anymore. Not many, no. 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 Only the purists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was shooting landscape, fine art landscape stuff for a living, then maybe I'd shoot five by four. Yeah, ten by eight, but. I, you know, it was interesting. I was um, I was telling Brian earlier. I was sitting next to us here. Um, I um, was shooting in a wood, uh, Tikanal Wood, uh, which is just below Pentrivan in um, in West Wales, and um, it was kind of. Uh, a place where five four would work mm. because the wood itself kind of gave you um, gradation of light, which is really interesting. Mm. And uh, five four would probably um, enhance that. I think. Yeah, I owned one for about six months. Did I bought. You? I bought because I want. I was like, I want to do five four. I want to do five four. I, 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 it was. This is a few years ago now. Um, and I bought a speed graphic. Mm. Um, the old-fashioned sort. Yeah, yeah. Second-hand off eBay. Yeah. I think it was about 300 quid. Yeah. Because the price you can buy for next to nothing, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I think I shot six sheets of film on it and then put it in the cupboard and it was like, oh, it's just too difficult. So I only had 
<laughs> I only had three film holders, which meant I could only shoot six sheets at a time anyway. Yes. So if you go out into the landscape and you make the effort to get there, you only have six pictures to take, and then you've got to come back and process them. And processing was a faff as well, and you had to buy a special tank that could yeah, put the sheets yeah. in. And I just, yeah, I think I've still got half a box of sheet film somewhere in, in, my, in a cupboard. Um, I love the idea of doing it. It's just, and again, it's the same with the Leica. I love the idea of it, but just in practical terms, I just don't do it, you know. No, no. And I'm not, I don't get sentimental about cameras. If I'm not using them, I get rid of them and I get something else. Yeah, yeah the sentimentality about cameras is a, a weird one, isn't it? Because, um, uh, the only camera I'm really sentimental about was my kind of first SLR, which was a Zenit E. Oh, Zenit. The yeah. Zenit that's, what I used to, that's what I had to teach the kids with when I with went to Helios American summer camp. Lens, 50mm lens. Yeah. And then I had a 135 as well, which I'd bought, which was a really fine lens. Beautiful for a portraiture, mm. you know. Um, uh, and I, I think I gave them away. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe I'd... But hey, you know, I'd never use it. I mean, they, you know, there are people I can I can understand collecting cameras from an aesthetic point of view. Yes. Some of them look really nice, and yeah. that's fine. But I, I don't really do that either. I'm, you know, I can't think of anything that I really would want to keep. Like I'm, I'm at the moment I'm using. I've got two five Ds, mm. a Fuji XT one, and a Hasselblad. But yeah. they're all they're all just work tools, you know. If, work if tool I need, and, and, yeah. and if I switch to a Sony A nine at some point, then I'll get rid of the Fuji t- to pay for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't particularly like or dislike the Fuji at all. It's just something that I take pictures with, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. if it's something better that will take allow me to take better pictures in in an easier way, then I'll I'll go for that. So where next, Sam? Where? Where next? Well, hopefully another series of Doctor Who. Um, so that then that would take up nine months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work, obviously I don't work every day on it, so there is, I can do other stuff in between. Um, the actor's headshots will, will be something that I'll be looking at doing soon. Um, but yeah, I'd like to, to get into doing more TV and film stuff. Um, you know, bigger, more budget, more exciting locations. You know, it's, it's like anybody, you know, just more, more of the same, really, more but better. Um, like I said, I don't really have, I don't really do five-year plans or ten-year plans or no. I don't, I kind of like go from one thing to the next and see where it takes me. And it's worked for 20 years, so um, I don't know is the answer. Where next? Wherever people want me to work. 